kicking it with my boy. Um, here I am. I can 100% get behind every single thing that I put out. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? Because <laughs> I do really get really enthusiastic. I got to drive down to some small-ass buttfuck town in Kentucky called Jamestown. I've never even heard of it. I'm going to buy a Tascam 388 machine. Um, what? Why? What? What? What do you mean? It's like, a Pro, it's like Pro Tools? It's like a Pro Tools box? No, it's like a boat anchor. It's more like a boat anchor but a very special boat anchor. Uh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm driving down. I'm paying $1,000. Is this squandery? Would this be considered squandery? I don't know. I don't have a financial advisor as such in that way. Um, I'm going down to buy this thing. I'm In my mind, in my mind and in my heart of hearts, it will save my soul. It might save my soul. This is a machine. My brother has one of these one mile away, but he wants to keep it over there. So I'm going to buy my own to be over at my house because I don't really work that well on Pro Tools a lot of times. I like Pro Tools a lot, it's very useful. But something about it lends itself towards endless meandering and twiddling. Now, I get cool shit done on it. But there's something about the, t- the tape machine, you know, that is so real and, and, and physical. You know, it's actually printing onto it that, I don't know. I'm very sensitive to this stuff. I can feel the tangibility, you know? I, I, can, I can feel the physicality of it. And there's a, a, a finiteness, you know? There's, there's, a, there's a finality to, to your work on it. Not to talk too much about this. Anyway, that's what I'm doing later today. I like these machines. Uh, I have a bunch of the small, small ones, the cassette ones. This is a quarter-inch machine. Look, it's not it's it's nothing to sneeze at. Like Black Keys recorded an album on this. Uh a bunch of bands uh, have used these. They're, it's it's a classic 80s uh machine that uh it's sort of the 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 home studio version of 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 the thing. Anyway, going to do that later. 
hopefully I'll get to do a little yoga beforehand, but possibly not. I saw the movie Noah yesterday. Uh, if you're thinking about going to see it, um, what would I say? Should you do it? No. Uh, <laughs> you, see, <laughs> that's, you see how I do that? That's my style, my little pun. The little, not big pun, but little pun. They should call me that. Uh, it's, I, I feel like, and, and Darren Aronofsky, uh, Darren Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky is proving himself um, sort of time and time again with these films. And I'm not a hater, but he's proving himself with these films that he, imagine, okay, in my mind, and I've never seen what he looks like, but in my imagination, there's there's a junior in high school. Uh, he smoke he mo- he smokes a lot of weed, but he's really intelligent. He's really intelligent, and he does really well in school. But you know, at night sometimes or on the weekends, he'll party with his friends, smoke weed, and drink some natty ice. And he, he if he on his profile on Facebook it says he what does he like to do or whatever and he writes philosophizing is you know one of his main preoccupations he really enjoys philosophizing so I mean and 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 then somehow he was handed the gift of filmmaking and 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 a good visual sense and a good sense of storytelling you know and given Minion over uh, a horde of CGI artists and camera people and, you know, lots of after effects guys and post-production guys uh, and uh, sound designers and things like this, um, they, they, they fell prey under his spell. And... That's what I imagine. He's he he looks like L- Louis C.K.'s manager. Uh, if you saw that last season of Louis, where he they go and try to get him on the Tonight Show or whatever with David Lynch, Louis C.K.'s manager. That's how he looks. The young like kid with the glasses, the, the sort of blonde, um, uh, unintentional bouffant. That in my imagination. Now I've never seen Darren Aronofsky, and I'm not hating. You know, I stayed for the whole thing, against my will. But I was there. I was there. I ate a banana during the movie, and uh, whispered with my friend a lot. Made some jokes about the movie. I I just I have some problems with this movie. Not only that, but the Bible, the story about Noah. Because how the fuck, okay, if Noah was the last in the line of Seth, okay, so the, Adam and Eve had three sons. First of all, I don't know, I mean, and I'm not a Bible guy, inside and out guy. I've never, like, read the whole thing. Now, I have read Genesis. I have read Genesis and Exodus, all right? That, that's as far as I got. But, uh, and I don't remember any mention of daughters, Okay, I know people used to have sex with their sisters and cousins and all that back then because there's just not that many people and you got to propagate, right? But 
I don't remember even mention of Adam and Eve having daughters. So how did, you know, and, and, you know, okay, Mary, you know, had this child without, without having had intercourse, right, apparently. But even back when in the day, what, what a baby was going to come out of man's penis? Because they don't even talk about the females. But, okay, you can assume, fine, Adam and Eve had some daughters that, that uh, weren't really mentionable. But uh, they begat sons and daughters for Cain and Abel and Seth. Okay, Seth was the other boy. Now, apparently Noah was the last in the line of Seth uh, because Cain's offspring had taken over the earth and and, uh, it it had become uh, just a horribly wicked place. And so God had Noah destroy or God destroyed the earth and had Noah survive, right? So Noah had some children. Anyway, you know where I'm getting at. Who, who, everyone's having sex with their, with their fucking siblings and, and their nieces and nephews. It's disgusting, frankly. And this is my ancestors? This is, this is where I come from? And I'm not even talking about Jews. I just mean humans. I don't know. I don't know if I can buy it. Let's think of it as a metaphor, right? Can it be a metaphor? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Filth. Okay, I've got, you know, the thing is, is all press is good press. I've, I've, I've really pressed into Aronofsky uh, a good amount, and uh, you'll probably go watch it just to see what it's all about. More power to you if you do. My next film is going to be the uh, Wes Anderson, the hotel movie. It's a beautiful sunny day here. I think this is the first spring-like day. That's going to be good for my drive. It's going to be good for my drive. My brother was going to come with me on this drive down to Kentucky. Now he flaked on me. I'm going to probably lone gun it. Uh, if if you uh, want to chat on fucking uh, sp- spoken chat, G-chat, on uh, uh, Face Place, you let me know. Or, or if you're on Facial Frenzy or on elksblood.dr. Dot Broadway, please let me know so we can scat chat. Okay, uh, you can you can offer up your your money or blood uh, to the podcast, the Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail dot com, demail, <laughs> demon mail, gmail dot com, uh, the Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail dot com. You can you can uh, donate on PayPal to that. And please, now that I'm squandering a thousand dollars, it's not squandering because this thing is going to yield results. This task camp, believe me. Okay, mark my words. Mark my words. Look, if I get one album out of it, it's worth it. On the show, on the Wandering Wolf today is a, a, fr- a friend of mine. I, I met him in. I want to say 2008, something like that. I probably met him a little bit before that, uh, but we spent some time together then. Uh, he toured with us in 2008 in Europe for a while. And let me tell you how it went down, okay? The, I'm speaking of Ryan Lott, of course, by the way, Sun Lux. He rolled with another guy, Ryan Fitch, at the time. And just like always, 
you know, we we always got to the venue right around loading time or, or, or a little bit later, uh, looking all strung out, uh, you know, some of the guys, you know, asking the promoter, is there any beer here, you know, uh, uh, is there? We need some water. Where's the backstage? I need to take a shit. I need, where was? Is sound check? We're gonna load in and set over sound check. <laughs> and always, Ryan and Ryan were there already. We didn't do anything. We had woken up, tired, groggy, had had gotten to the venue, just past on time. And uh, these guys were already there, had gone, visited the Eiffel Tower. They'd gone on a gondola ride in Venice. They'd seen London Tower, you know. They'd taken a tour of Her Majesty's Castle. They'd gone to the beach. They just took a, just a quick dunk in the fucking Mediterranean. Yoni, what do you mean you never swam with the dolphins? You, 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 get, you get where I'm going with this. These guys were pepped. This was their first time touring Europe. They were pepped up. They were living it up. They were waking up early, going to see all the sights, and still making it there before us. You tell me who's real rock and roll. You tell me who's real rock and roll and who's a fucking American fancy boy tourist. All right. <laughs> Okay, Ryan Lott. Uh, this is one of the most talented musicians and producers that I know. He's just got a uh, real good sense. I won't, I won't say too much more about him because we talk about his life on here. So let's just get straight to it. My conversation with Ryan Lott. My boy. Hey, hey. <laughs> what the? What's wrong with Twitter? You got pretty good breath control, dude. You have no idea. How long? How long can you go? I can go longer than you. All right, let's do it. Let's, right, let's, do, let's, do, let's do a little. <laughs> I'm going to laugh, though. This is a, how, what, what, how, what kind of note, though? Any kind of note. We'll just create chords and be lovely. Ready? All right. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> we had a octave, dude. We had the same note. That was that, cool. that was amazing. Here we go. Here we go. there's 12, more, and more. we were in tune. One more time. Ah, man. I could have gone longer, which is what I said yeah. to her. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. I actually overheard that. I feel like <laughs> yeah. maybe 
That was a little awkward for me, but anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sitting here in R.J. McConney's uh, girlfriend's bedroom in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, with Ryan Lott, Sun Lux. Hi. Uh, I think I should do the whole thing falsetto. It, like yeah. You've the, already you know, fucked that up, I, though, actually. Oh, just, well, yeah. Well, you can edit this out. Yeah. You can edit this out. Um... Let's, I mean, we were just discussing your future plans, but can we do something and go? Were we? I think we we're discussing my. Were we discussing my? Oh, we were. Your, mm-hmm. y- yeah, your future recording styles. I had some ideas yeah. that you have about mm-hmm. your near future, which maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to talk about that. Actually, maybe that's more private shit that you. No, want I don't. The I don't mind. I like geeking out. So generally. right, and yeah. the and the fact is, is people can try to bite all they want. They're not going to be. You know, they can they can listen all they want to what you're gonna do but they're not gonna be able to approximate yeah i mean as far as like you know as far as ideas are concerned i I definitely never have there's like maybe some super detailed studio tricks that i don't like to share with anybody but as far as like like, what (laughs) like in what in what category i mean like in the uh because you get such good sounds (laughs) like well i can't i can't tell you this that's fine this podcast but i definitely find myself like you know, starting to geek out with people, and then I'm like, oh, you know, and then, oh, I got a whole lot. Right, you know? right, right. I was in, I was, I was actually geeking out with a bunch of my friends the other day um, I hadn't seen in a while. I was in L.A., and we were talking about, um, we were talking about this one, we were, we were talking about all kinds of geeky, really geeky shit, and, um, and I brought up how the fact that one of the things that's nice to do is to put, um, right before a verb send, or on a verb send, put um a subtle octave doubler okay um right before the verb so that the wet signal it almost feels like a part of the verb so yeah so the wet signal has been octave treated right oh so you're saying if if you have the verb send is a, is a separate send yeah not like rather than yeah. rather than an insert where right, you're just right, right, adjusting right. the mix of the verb if it's actually a send so there's a dedicated dry channel and a dedicated verb channel right before you insert the verb, you put An some octave. octave doubling on it. Yeah. You put, you put either a low one why or if you, it's a flute. Why are you sharing this? <laughs> well, that's one that I feel like, you know, it's not, it's, that's not, that's so simple that I feel like somebody's got to have been doing that, right. like, stuff. Um, although at the table, How it's did a you pretty come to that? geeky table, and six of them have never heard of that, so. Right, right. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't have given that one away, but... Uh, the way I came to that, I think, was when I wanted a flute to sound more like, um... Have more body to it? Well, occupy more more sonic space yeah. in the mix without having to make it louder. Because certain things you can't, you can't just make them louder. You have to create, I mean, pretty much everything you can't just make louder. You have to, you have to create sonic space for it. Right. And, and, uh, one of the good, one of the, so I just, that was just one of the tricks. I was like, how could I draw attention to that piece of of sound uh without actually making it louder and without just fucking with eq because even even eq is you're making it louder or softer yeah um you were just making parts of it louder. yeah exactly exactly so um so yeah i think that's probably where I, i came up with the idea um and then also it's useful for like vocals if you know you want like a strange doubling effect on your voice at the at the octave uh, either where you don't on the lower octave want to sound like Frankenstein on the other end of the spectrum you don't want to sound like Alvin the Chipmunk right. so so 
put, put make, it putting it 100% wet. Yeah. You know, and only only maybe like 20 to you 40%. You do that kind of thing a lot because you get real interesting vocal sounds. And I think part of it's your voice, but I think part of it's your treatment. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people ask me, like, what do you do to your voice, you know, to make it sound like that? And to be honest, I do almost nothing non-traditional to my voice. So I cue it. Um, my voice just sounds particularly weird on a microphone and singing. Uh-huh. And so I think that's... That's actually something I just sort of embraced early on. Yeah. That it was just going to be something that was a little bit weird, and and if I can EQ it right, um, it's it's mostly about EQ because my voice does something really weird in, um, on a mic. No matter how Where nice the mic, Where it does the it look, bump at? believe it or not, it sounds super warm on a mic, uh-huh. which is weird because my voice is like, I mean, it's because my voice is swallowed. So you have a forward voice comes out of your instrument at your face. Correct. My voice comes out like low. Like I'm I'm I'm, that's RJ. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm like two point five three k. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and for me, it's like for some reason I'm like three hundred to one fifty. You never expect right. That. It's, it's like more muffled. way it's yeah. super muffled. So yeah, but one of the tricks that is non traditional that I use for my voice is that I will sing um, a double, um, a half step high. I'll transpose the mix, sing it a half step high then lay it in, and then transpose it down. Right. So the effect is a timbral shift in my voice. Yes. It's definitely still my voice, definitely still my phrasing. I hear that now. But there's I a hear timbral shift. Yeah. I do that a little bit in flickers, and then I did that once in... Oh, I do it um, on the song Ransom on Lanterns. Okay. Or is the yeah. long war one? It's like... Or is right. the long war one? Right. It's like the effect is like opening up a hole in your throat, mm-hmm. but it's a little more interesting than that. Mm-hmm. Other than things like that, which aren't that revolutionary, I guess, um, you know, I don't do too much to my voice. I do a lot to other instruments, like a, a lot, lot. Just experimentation. Like, just experiment with stuff. Yeah. Um, like... An, uh, an instrument that has tons of overtones is super awesome to experiment with. Um, you when you pull them octave out. or two or three, no, you pull them into the uh, audible spectrum by by um, dropping them by by octaves or multiple octaves. It takes the white noisy stuff, for example, of a violin bow, pulls it into a, a very uh, central hashy register in the mix, right? So it goes from super high to right you know and yes. that's and inside of that stuff is ton that grain is like tons of sonic interest you yes know? yeah it's yes. super nice okay. and it's sonic interest that that you don't you you hear when you're not on like super nice studio monitors which no one ever is right but then will you leave will you leave that low you're saying or or you'll sometimes then you creep, add that to the yeah sometimes one. you creep it in like one of the best thing to do is like drop something up by like multiple octaves um and then roll off all the low end. So you actually get rid of the fundamental pitch and right. then let the original recording take care but of it. keep the, that interesting, yeah. the interesting artifacts. And then in or, yeah, in, in order to avoid phasing, then you need to do a little bit of um, work in the stereo spectrum. You, you offset, uh, you either put like some subtle chorus on that, that um, affected thing or you offset it in, in time and put, right. like, Just move it away. Right, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, this is no no one that listens to my podcast is gonna understand. But but I'm geeking out on it because I love this shit. And you're actually like I'm I'm like geeked to try some of this shit you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. Actually, 
I mean, and all, it's fun too. Like, I love stuff that you that anybody can try. You yeah, know, you don't need some like machine, like some big piece of like vintage gear or some shit like that. Well, can can we go back? Like, when did you start fiddling with this shit? Let's talk about music in a minute, or we, yeah. or you can just go into that too. Because I mean, well, what happened was basically I was I was really poor for a really long time, but I had a lot of like music knowledge because I studied music my whole life. I came out of music school um, with lots of cool geeky ideas um, and very little resources. Wait, 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 let's go back. Where did you go to music school? Well, I studied uh, all growing up, so I started taking piano lessons when I was like six, and then. Um, my neighborhood piano teacher living where uh, that was in Connecticut actually. Okay, uh, I've, I've did you move all, around a lot? Yeah, when you were a kid? A, I've lived in like maybe nine different states or something like that. So. I don't mean to convolute this more, but what did your parents do? What kind of? Oh, n- nothing. I mean, nothing's like I'm not military or anything. My dad's job just took us around a lot, and for me, actually, it was uh, super good because I basically was like, um, I got to see like parts of the country that you know, like different parts of the country. Name and, a few. Um, so I was. I was born in Denver, I lived in California, but then I grew up mostly in Connecticut, went to high school in Atlanta, totally different, then went to school in, um, to, to, um, college, college in, uh, Indiana in the middle. Then I lived back in Bloomington, in, uh, in Bloomington. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then lived in Ohio for a while, for a while, and then lived in New York for a while, Cleveland. then lived in LA for a while, then now I'm back in New York. So yeah, Cleveland, um, Cleveland is actually where, where Sunlux was born, basically. Okay. Um, so yeah, fast forward through my education. So basically, I, I like did the neighborhood piano teacher thing. She was awesome. Rather than take my parents' money, when she got to her limit of teaching me, she was like, "You got to find a good teacher." So because you you had absorbed as much as you could from yeah, her. I mean, she most you know it was like she was like an elementary school music teacher, and right. she was so great and everything. But she you know she didn't wasn't used to like you know keeping on teaching people past like you know a certain level. Sure. So. I went from that to uh, being in the studio at um, a professor of piano and composition at Wesleyan University. Um, she was also at Yale. So I went from like, I just went from one end of the spectrum to the other. Right. And this woman basically took me under her wing and like, even though I was probably so annoying to teach. How old were you at that time? 11. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then I went to high school and I gave up piano for a minute because I wanted to be a drummer. I okay. wanted to be a drummer. I still want to be a drummer, damn it. Did, did you? Did you? you can drum. I'm sure you can drum. I can fake it. Yeah. I can fake it. I can intellectually drum really yeah. well. You know what I mean? Then my parents found uh, actually a dude who was a student of Bernstein. So then he's. Uh, I studied with him. Leonard Bernstein. Leonard. Oh wow. Yeah, and he was dope, and he actually probably had the most influence on me because he saved me from uh, like pretty profound snobbery. Um, How so? How did he? Well, did I he show up. That out of you? Well, I showed up at his. St- at his uh, house this was in Atlanta and uh he had like like rock posters on the wall like winger um like non-ironically you know what I mean uh Nirvana Led Zeppelin um and I walked in there I was like who's this guy whatever um I didn't know at the time that he was like a complete badass um and so he's like, all right, play something for me. And I sat down at this piano, and I'm looking up at, like, the crotch of um, 
Jamie Page, the crotches of Jamie Page and Robert Plant, like, like rocking out on this poster in front of me. And to my right is, like, Kurt Cobain stage diving or whatever. And right. I'm like, I'm going to, like, I'm going to show this guy what real music is. <laughs> so I played some of my geeky. Yeah, yeah, so I played. You had an attitude about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I played some of my geeky, like, super, like, technical, like, piano stuff that I've written or whatever. But that you wrote. Yeah. You were I, already writing stuff. I, I, yeah, I started writing. Like, I, like, in the style of who? Um... I don't know, man. Um, it was probably, I don't even remember any of it. It was probably super lame, but it was just like sounded fancy, mm-hmm. you know, fancy. It was in the style of fancy. Um, and then, yeah, so he's like, okay, um, play me. So I play that and he's like, okay, cool. Now play me a pop song. And I was like, oh, I don't know any pop songs. He's like, oh, you even you remember any pop songs? I was like, no, I don't, I don't really play pop music or whatever. And he's like... Did you, you didn't listen to any pop music or anything? I mean, I did, you know, I was a kid and I was, you know, I played in bands and stuff like that, but it wasn't like... That was like that, and then what? You know what I was. was I like see. A so this musician, right? You right, know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, you, so you, I you, had, would, you would roll in the dirt in the muck with. with yeah, with absolutely. Buddies, I played but, "Suck My Kiss," and I played right. you know um, some serious like Nirvana and like middle school and stuff. But um, uh, yeah, so so he's like, okay, first assignment, you're gonna write a pop song, um, and then um, he's like, you know any hymns? And I was like, no, I don't know any hymns. He's like, all right, first, you know, second assignment, you're going to write six arrangements of Amazing Grace. You're, you know, the, like the simplest, the simplest melodies. Yeah, for, for piano, yeah. With different um, harmonization? Yeah, like whatever they have to ask to be six unique ways to do it. So I was That's like... a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. So I came back the next week and I like couldn't, I hadn't written a pop song because so I couldn't, couldn't write a pop song. And it was it was definitely a, a good lesson to the extent that you can't do something, that thing has something on you. Right. You know, you can't just look down on it. Like, you can look down on it if you've gone you through it. You had tried? What was the week like of trying? It was just like being, fr- like, just, you know, you know, being frustrated, like, oh, this is a stupid song, you know, and then trying and just be like, no, sh- you know, I can't do this stupid, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so, like, eventually, like, he introduced me to some, like, amazing all kinds of amazing stuff. Taught me a lot about jazz arranging and stuff like that. Um, and then ultimately introduced me to some uh, music from the classical tradition that I hadn't heard that 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 became uh, the decide like it was just like the deciding factor that I needed to make music as like my life. What stuff was that? Um, it was uh, the the most pivotal piece was probably Bartok's music music for strings, percussion, and celeste. Um, and I, I just like so vividly remember encountering encountering this piece that was just like completely. It was like super haunting and like strange, but at the same time badass. Yeah. Like it had like a really like like badass quality to it. It wasn't like pretty at all. It was like, but it wasn't ugly. It was it was it was, yeah. It was like nothing I'd ever heard, and I was like, damn, I I want to do this, whatever this is, and right. whatever form it takes is. So, um, yeah, and then I went to school in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, which so that, 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 guy, that guy took you through all the way through high school. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was dope. I mean, I actually... Did you get real close to him? I did, yeah. yeah. He's, still, he's still a friend. Did you yeah. suck his... Hit? No, I, I, we, 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 we stopped just shy of that. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I can never resist, man. You're talking about, you're talking about lollipops, like Is, in the summer. Did you suck the lollipops? Yeah, yeah, every once in a while he'd, 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 uh, he'd make some lollipops. Um then I went on to Indiana University, right. and that was super great because it was like a really traditional school. But I was like playing in funk and funk bands like at night, so I was I I 
started to, I basically had a really parallel, like two parallel educations at, in Indiana. Were you playing keys in fun? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was playing with guys who were, who played jazz. And then it, during the day I was playing with, you know, they, they were in the jazz school. Yeah. They were at, in jazz school at, at IU and, and were, also not in school, school too. You know, some guys who weren't in the school, but like were right. great musicians on the side guys. Yeah. What, 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 what was your major thing there? Was it was it composition? It was or? composition. Okay, but because of the nature of my scholarship, I also had to study piano as if I was getting a degree in it. So that was a, that was a big stressor because I always hated. I like actually always hated piano lessons. Like, and I still don't consider myself a pianist. It's just like a necessary evil. It's like something I. But you're hella good. I've seen you play. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I can say, see. I say that, and, I, and it actually is true. <laughs> yeah, but you, I mean, how many years did you study piano? I st- not as not nearly as many. Yeah. I studied maybe two years, and it yeah, was so like, I studied ten times that much. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know, and two years. By the time of two years, you literally can't like even like lift well, your that, left hand. That onto didn't the, even the, 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 the me studying piano didn't even go into my ability to well, write. Well, it doesn't. My, my dad teaching me. Yeah. Every just like how to play a major and minor chord yeah, yeah. is how I started writing yeah. pop songs. Yeah, that's I right. came at it the other direction. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. So then uh, when I came out, and this is like back to our original question, which is like, how did how did I get into like thinking about making music in a, with electronics and and or, or even just like approaching music through the studio as an instrument. Um, I'm, yeah, I meant, I meant more as a, like just as an engineer, but that, all that stuff goes yeah. all it all hand yeah, in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, basically, what happened was I first learned how to make music. Uh, I mean, this was back in the day. I mean, I went to college in 1997. Right. You know, We're the, are we the same age? I'm 35. I'm 34. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, dude. I uh, so I didn't have like. You know, making music with your computer wasn't like a thing that like a lot of people did right. back then. It was like we still had like email stations. I didn't even have an email address until I went to college. So yeah, so so we went. So so I went. I basically, but in in college, I had to figure out how to record my funk band, um, like cheaply, and so I was also needing starting to need like a better computer to run my like notation software for my geeky music. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, my parents basically bought me one of those blue and white G3s. Remember those bad boys? Sure. Like 300 megahertz. Sure, had, I do. It had 64 megabytes of RAM, upgradable to 128 megabytes of RAM. Okay. Um, so I got the upgrade. And you know all that. Six all about gigabyte that hard stuff, drive, you, dude. you ended up getting good at learning all the tech stuff. Yeah, so so I had to figure out how to record my band. And so I we start. I, that's basically how I learned... The sequencer that I still use, um, which is uh, Digital Performer. Oh, I started on Performer. Oh yeah, I started on Performer too, and it's just MIDI. But then I transitioned to like Digital Performer. Uh, no, di- I mean Digital Performer. Yeah. yeah, I started on. Yeah, I didn't even know they, there was like I didn't. I yeah, never, MIDI. I never started fucked with MIDI. I, yeah. I tried for a little bit. But yeah, it started as just a MIDI sequencer for like plugging in your like Korg O1W module right, and right. like you know record you know things like that. Um, so. Yeah, so that's how I learned to basically make music with computers. It wasn't like anything I studied in school, like kids do now, and like you know, there's no set. We were still a decade away from like, or more away from you know, like GarageBand on every computer. Right. Um, so you just you just fucked around with it. Yeah, I just figured it out, and like you know, I did did what everybody does, like sample some James Brown, and then it was like, ever, then it was like, oh my gosh, 
Right. What? What just happened to my life? Right. So fuck, fuck the punk band. I know. I'm like, I'm in this room by myself <laughs> Still, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I started making stupid little tracks and um, messing around with, like, you know, like beats, sampling. Like, yeah, like beats. sampling drums and shit? Sampling drums, sampling, like, little fragments of sound and, like, mm-hmm. figuring out their potential, speeding things up, slowing things down. You know, the, the standard stuff. You know, it made, they, performer, uh, digital performer was easier to speed things up and slow things down than Pro Tools. I felt like mm. there was, like, a drag. You could kind of drag, drag it, Yeah, things. you can drag it around, yeah. It would fuck with their... Yeah, because you can fit fit it into other samples. Right? Yeah. So you can pair samples together and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've loved DP since day one. Yeah. Um, me and, like, four other dudes on the planet. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then I graduated from school, and I was just really poor. Um, and... So I have very limited resources and I didn't, it wasn't like I could keep up on software or anything like that. Um, I, so I was just, I, I lived in the world of freeware. Right. Um, and even back in the day, macmusic.org was a, an amazing place to find freeware. There's like just tons of geeks out there, God bless them, who are just making like weird little plugins that I, and I used. Um, what were some of your favorite like free plugins? Oh man, some of my favorites are still out there. You you just have to like get a little port form or something. Um, MDA makes a bunch. Um, uh, just weird little like DFX makes some awesome ones. Um, just weird little things that are kind of like non traditional, not like compressors and stuff like that, but like. If they're compressors, just like weird compressors, right? Something that gives you a, a, right, a, a noticeable yeah sound. Um, and I got I got a couple grants back to back in Ohio. Uh, the Ohio Arts Council was one of them, and then the Cleveland Arts Prize was another one. How did you get? So why did you go to Cleveland? Um, Jen and I, my wife Jen and I, did you meet her at, at, at IU? IU. We, okay. we married right out of school, so okay. back in two thousand one. Um, then we moved to Cleveland right after nine, right before nine eleven, actually. Okay. Um, and then we um, um, moved to Cleveland to help start up a modern dance company, actually that's still that's still around and flourishing, um, called Inlet Dance Theater. Um, okay. So that was sort of my gig, and it was her gig and my gig because why, I was, why, why did you pick Cleveland though? Um, just some relational connections. We met the guy who was starting this company and right. it was just like, we got nothing else to do. So might as well go there. And, and then we love, we fell in love with the community and, uh, it was a really cool town and, and it was a perfect place to start out cause you actually could be poor and still make art. Mm-hmm. That was like a really unique thing. Cause the cost of living was low. Super low cost of living. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, just a general enthusiasm for like guerrilla art making there as in a lot of like, um, lower income cities and, and, um, places where the cost of living is low, you generally find people who have an enthusiasm, you know, for, you know, ganging up together and, and making stuff. And Mm -hmm. Cleveland was like that for sure. Um, so between the two little grants that I got, they were back to back years. I basically stepped up and then stepped up again. I went f- first time. Did you uh, to get the grants? Because I'm in Ohio. Yeah. Did what? What were you like writing? There's an Ohio Arts Council grant. Like there's Who told you about individual that? artist grant. Um, well, because I was also Jen and I were help, helping to start a modern dance company. We were like in that world of like nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Like we were thinking about that a lot because the only way any any dance company exists is through some sort of fundraising, fund, yeah. you know, grant writing and stuff like that. So that was definitely on uh, the on our mind. And chances are it was Jennifer who, uh, my wife Jen, who was, you know, scavenging for grants and saw um, something about the individual artist grant. 
for Ohio um, through the Ohio Arts Council. And how did you win those? Were you were you? Um, like, you basically, you, apply you know, with music? yeah, I applied with music things, and it was fortunately because I had been. Uh, even though I wasn't making anything doing it, I had been writing music for Inlet and for this dance company and, right. and different kinds of music. And, and so here's how I had to make music, though, because I had no resources. Um, Cleveland had an amazing public library system. So you would get, get all the CDs I would basically out of find all these obscure CDs, and I would sample the hell out of them. And back in OS 9 days, you could actually... You could actually... Um, sample like you could scan like and sample like a little piece of audio like without without like pulling in the whole audio file and back then that was a big deal because hard drive space was like came in a premium so you, how, and how would you do that so so the entire first album at war with walls and mazes um i didn't i didn't use a sampler i didn't like i didn't use any sample instruments i didn't use any i didn't even know what a sampler was honestly because um, i the only way that i interacted with audio in a sampling capacity was directly with a computer. I see. Um, so with the exception of the track Stay, which my buddy in New York did and and um, recorded uh, real celli, cellos, um, he, I, I, the, all the arrangements are literally like pieced together one and two note fragments from like thousands of recordings. Whew. So I would sit and like listen and like, I would I know need, I need an A. Yeah, and I would go and I would just like I would get those those Bachello suites and I like I really need like a warm note here. Yeah. As to like fill out this string arrangement. It should probably be a D. So all I would do is just like go get some cello CDs, solo cello CDs, and then I would look for like the title of it, like in D major or oh in D minor. God. And then I would go find I would find that grab the tonic That's from it. Or awesome. like find the, you know, this moment where you know, and then I would take these little pieces. So meticulous. And if it was not the note was not long enough, the trick is you 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 reverse the note. I know um, about that. Yeah, you reverse that note and then you layer it at the end or before, or yeah. you open up a hole in the in the regular note. And then you place the reverse note right. in, and then you do the crossfades and make the elegant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that whole record was like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, that's that's crazy, yeah. man. That must have taken a lot of time. But I got used to doing that because I also made uh, I also made my commission music that way. Like my, it was essentially like making music for tape, quote unquote, um, but uh, that didn't sound like it was music for tape. It sounded like it was music. I did this one like twenty five minute piece. Wait, 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 wait. When you say for tape, you mean recorded? Yeah, and it like, like, like it was basically, live. I was doing what people normally do with music with with sounds that aren't like real instruments. They they stitch together all sorts of crazy sounds and make something very abstract. I was actually doing that, but trying to make something non abstract. Mm-hmm. For know? tape is is a is a classic. It's like sound. a classical yeah, term, term, like for, for yeah. like for playback. You know, right. like. Music for alto flute and right, tape. Right, you know, right, and right. tape just means like somebody presses the button on the CD. Got you know, it. While the flute player stands on stage and plays along with it. Right. Because um, karaoke wasn't a big thing back then. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but you know, certain things are designed for playback. You know, there's no reason to like sit there and pretend you're like twisting knobs and making it happen. Mm-hmm. No, you twisted knobs for three and a half months straight, and right. that's why it sounds like that. Not because you can just do it. You should like, generally have someone back there doing that with one 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 headphone. Yeah, on. you should. Yeah, and they should be they should be like oh they should they should they should act like they're noticing something right, that needs right. to shift and then touch a knob. Right. Yeah, and all this stuff should be plugged in as if it is doing something. Yes. Too. Yeah. So do you, do you, what, do you want to go into that? How you got the the commission stuff? 
Um, well, dance, Matt writing music for dance, because my wife is a dancer and choreographer, uh, was the keys for, first uh, to, to getting commissions, because uh, dancers always need good music and never have it. And was and, it generally for dance? Yeah, so okay. like almost all my commissions for years were just for dance companies. And dance is a, is a, its own like world, so once you start working with one company, then it's like... It's like, can, oh, I know yeah, this guy. Yeah, like, and he then... He did great shit for yeah, us. Exactly, then, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, so that... Uh, even though it was something that was totally looked down on in, in at IU, like, for some reason, it was just, like, my, some of my professors had this real bias Why? against writing. I don't know. It's super stupid, because, like, some of the most pivotal pieces of music in, in like, in all of history... Right. ...are... Uh, What's a waltz? Well, but any, any, well, you know, like... Well, I mean, Rite of Spring, for example. Right. You know, any of any of like so much Tchaikovsky, yeah, any, you know, so much yeah. like pivotal music is written in service of dance. Yeah. So to look down on it as if it's not like a higher a high calling is stupid. Is stupid. But um, anyway, what would your Atlanta guy have said about that? Oh, he would have said, "Oh, he would have said, hell yeah." yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh, eventually I was able to like get, get some gear, like stop mixing, trying to mix music on like stereo speakers. And, um, I was able to invest in like some, um, I think for at war, by the time I did at war, um, my first record, I had, I think I had two instruments that were like virtual instruments. Um, one was that you had created. No, that, that I had purchased. Oh, that you purchased. It was like, it was like, I finally was able to save enough money to buy that piano what, software. What 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 you know? What made you? Here's a question that it may seem obvious to you, but what made you not actually play stuff yourself or have players come in or? Oh, just money. I mean, just I, I mean, money. I I paid like okay, so like the saxophones on uh, on I think they're on Rays and then I think only on Rays on the first first record. Um, those are live. And that was my homie, and he just did it for free. Same dude who plays on um, We Are Rising and um, on uh, Lantern. So those, okay. those berries and Easy, okay. for example. Okay. Yeah. Um, same guy. Um, uh, yeah, so, and then, uh, like, the flutes on Betray from the first record is, like, a friend, you know. But basically, in Cleveland, I didn't have, I really didn't know any musicians, you know. So I knew a guy, you know, a young kid who played bass. So I had him play bass on one song. I knew someone who but played you, flutes. But you must play ba- I mean, you can play bass. Well, but I didn't play. have a bass. I see. Yeah. Like, because just, that was expensive. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I remember my... I actually have a really funny story about my first bass. So I, um, I have a dog named Leroy, and he's like my homie. He's been my studio mate for, for uh, over a decade now. And when I brought him home, first brought him home... Right as I was able to, he was enough potty trained where I could like take him up into my studio. I had, I would sit him right next to me on a, like a little chair <laughs> and they like, curled up on his own little chair. That's cute. And, um, the first time I ever heard him bark, cause you know, puppies don't bark. Like uh-huh. usually puppies don't bark. First time I heard him bark, he woke up, he was like, woke up and then all of a sudden he goes, And I look over and I'm like, oh my god, I didn't heard you bark before, you know. I look over and it was like, what are you barking at? Like I couldn't figure out. I was like trying to like find where his the focus of his eyes were, uh-huh. and I finally found it. And I walked around and it was my base. <laughs> and for some reason he like 
didn't he was like spooked out by it. I wonder if it was because like kind of had his coloring okay. and it has like a headstock on the top. That it looked one, like a head. Yeah, maybe he thought it was like some animal. Some like giraffe. <laughs> yeah, <it's not> something. <laughs> but it's funny, like what sort of like context does he even have for like weird. things it was so weird. Yeah. So like I always I'll always remember that the first time I heard him bark was like at a bass. And it was yeah. like my first bass that I ever bought it was like it was like probably a hundred dollar bass, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I actually might have played that a little bit on the first record. Um, oh yeah, I played it on. Yeah, I played it on a couple. Of I'm just saying, there's ways to get. You know, like I always, like I always. But see, I really didn't know many musicians in yeah. Cleveland, and like even though I mean Cleveland Institute of Music is there, amazing. I was just like in my own like little world, and yeah. most of my honestly, most of my friends were dancers. Okay, and you know, in a way, it was kind of good for me because I sort of had the corner on the market whenever someone needed music. It yeah. was like, they go to me. Someone needed to produce their cool, like, band with beatboxing, they go to me. You know, it's like... You so know. you were recording other people. I started time. recording other people, yeah. And and helping people from out of state, like... And you're still in digital performance. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, on a G3. Yeah. Yeah. I used to G3 for a long yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, I, I mean, I worked, I walked myself up through the silver and then, like, the... the Double door. What is that one called? It was a G four, right? To, to the G G four, and then there was that one that had like a really bad fan problem that was super loud. And I got it home, I was so excited. And it, was uh-huh. like, <laughs> it was so loud. I was like, <laughs> right. no. Right, My whole right. life ended for like thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, you don't. That, you don't have a machine room now, do you? Or no. You, or do you, no. I've never had a machine room. Okay. Actually, it's something that. Uh, it's something that I feel like. I mean, it's like one like of those the, things. That's you know? like the last. But thing I would, but you know? you know what though? Those I've been on an iMac for like three years now, and yeah. those things are incredibly quiet yeah. and super powerful. Yeah. I and I I'm I sort of wonder. I mean, I don't I don't really know. I wonder if I'm ever going to have to do the machine room thing. I think what's more valuable to me would be like a little vocal booth. Right. Um, the machine room thing is like, for, that's for like back in the day where everything in studios super was so loud. And, and like, you, yeah. you know, you have a different kind of situation too. But like you don't have I a big will ass say, board I will say that Thunderbolt drives, which shit. are like amazing. Yeah. Thunderbolt drives, man. Like when you're making music like for film and stuff and you have like lots of sampled instruments and you're playing like, or like, orchestra's worth of sampled instruments and everything has to be and everything's humming and like that's it the the drive the external drives like that shit that shirt shit adds up and and i was in in lantern with lanterns what i would do is i would print um i would print two channel mix downs like just little stereo files um disable all the other tracks turn off all my drives right um, right until then, until you were gonna mix mix and then and then it, when I was wanted to track my vocals that's how I do it or sometimes if I, I knew it was gonna be like a really quiet vocal yeah I'd actually transfer that file to my laptop and then and then uh, oh yeah and then run a firewire cable out of my audio interface would stay in the room through a one of those like little silent Lassie firewire drives those like little like yellow ones yeah through uh underneath through through a cable that would go underneath my door outside my door and then i put my laptop on a little chair outside my door so but, technically i would make but wait a second so that they would be totally silent in my yeah. room for tracking vocals but you're you're in new york city or you're recording no, that this in LA. was this was back this was like in la this is what, like when, right. I, when i was about to say yeah because you can't have total silence here man or, or no or yeah you, you have to be like in a basement room to, you have to, to be in a basement or something like that so how do you deal with that here well i haven't had to track vocals here okay not yet not yet yeah 
I mean, back, well, back with, like, We Are Rising, or, yeah, We Are Rising, and actually some of Lanterns, I... You did We Are Rising here, right? We Are Rising here, yeah. but I had a studio then. I yeah, was, yeah, I was... Uh, so you're at home now. Yeah, I'm at home yeah. now. I, I mean, eventually, right now, I'm, like, doing so much traveling and touring and stuff like that, but eventually I'm going to have to figure out, like, you know, you know, basically paying someone for uh, studio space and okay. making it, making it, you know, biting the bullet and getting ambitious and making an investment in, you know, my, yeah. But I mean, as geeky as I am, like, it's kind of like inevitable in my future to do that. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I feel like some musicians don't need that at all. And it's a big waste of money for them. You um, kind of do. You'd be one of the first guys that I would say. Yeah. Cause I mean, people do, I mean, people do come to me for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. too. I mean, I'm actually really excited about this project I've been working on. Um, what's that? Uh, it's, uh, I'm producing Y music's next record. Y music, okay. Yeah, Y music, Y, like the letter Y. Are we going to have to battle y. for that name? No, no the letter Y, <laughs> uh, music, um, they, they're it's a chamber sextet. Okay. Um, and um, I wrote a piece for them for their first record called Beautiful Mechanical, and their album is called Beautiful Mechanical. came out in 2010. It was like a classical album of the year from Time Out and stuff like that. It was, and, and they, because they, you know, they commissioned all this really cool people uh, me, uh, <laughs> but also like Cheryl Warden from My Brightest Diamond, Annie Clark uh-huh. from St. Vincent, um, some of like really amazing. So they, they're, they're, they're pop songs on it? No, no. It's like, it's, it, they can specifically sought after like people who make pop music, who have a background and who, who think about music more broadly and have a background, like a classical, some sort of training. Of, of, um, and so I did the title track on their first record, and and now I'm producing their second record. Okay. Um, and mixing it too. And but their whole thing with you know for coming to me was like we want to make a chamber record that doesn't sound anything like any chamber music recording you've ever heard. What does um, that mean? Yeah. What do you basically do you they take want that? me to get Sun Lux up in it? You know, yeah. like the way that I think about music. Uh, like the studio as as part of as, as an instrument, you know. Yeah. And one of the reasons why chamber music recordings often fail is because they are a documentation of a live performance. Right. A live performance of music that's an in, that's intended for uh, to be executed in front of a live audience. Right. Well, that that's it's two separate that's things. Ex- it's two separate things. That's yeah. exactly what a recording is not. Right. Right. So then, in lieu of the live aspects, for example, looking at the flute player, and as you look at the flute. Uh, you you hear what she is playing, right. or he or she is playing. Um, you know that's gone if you're on a on a record, and so it's the responsibility of the mix and the responsibility of first the performance on tape, but then the mix, but then also how it's presented. Like what what about the music calls for? You know what in the music inherently calls for some sort of participation by the studio in order to create a recording that right. is successful. An experience for your ears of of the music in your headphones or through speakers. It's a different experience. It's like braille music. And d- denying that reality yeah. of, of like the chasm between those two experiences is the downfall of most chamber music recordings. It's the downfall of lots of recordings. Uh, lots of recordings, jazz, right. even. I mean, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not saying, the whole thing about jazz is that you really can't capture jazz in recordings, in my mind. Although I love old jazz recordings. Mm. For some reason, the well, new ones don't do it for me. That's because they sonically participate. The, how do you mean by that? Well, because as technology advances, the, the hearing the technology goes away. Right, that's Which because I, I like the sound of old tape and, you and like, dirty you like shit. And, the technology... Yeah participates yeah. the 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 medium participates right right 
Now it's transparent, pretty much. Yeah, and, and and that's been the whole goal of like the development of recording technology, which has absolutely has benefits, of course. It has but, benefits, but it, it fucks with everything to me as well. Like it fucks I, with everything. Yeah, yeah. and so can't get so, away with it. So much. now, see, so well, but, but before it was like you were at the mercy of those things, right? But now you have the studio. You need to make the studio put the studio at your mercy right so you can't just like pretend like it doesn't exist but it takes like, so much more time and yeah, effort yeah now. and you have to think of it as an instrument i mean but you can do much more with it now obviously yeah and and that's the thing is that most people don't you know they they go they only go so far it's like you know for me mixing is as much a part of the creative process as writing is writing melodies and that's just me that's just me no, that's, I agree. that's my i, I, I mean, absolutely that's agree my, with that. that's my yeah. process and um you know i'm thinking about the mix way before i'm actually thinking about the words and and melody i always i also work backwards and most people like i'm not a songwriter so i don't i don't sit at piano and write a melody and come up with like some cool lyrics and stuff that i that pro that part of the process is so far down the line do you think that here's a question do you think that's been of detriment to you at all um i do in some ways i do i feel like my uh you know, I feel like some people, you know, man, they just can write a melody, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you know, I was working with Sufjan and Getty on this uh, Sisyphus record. Sufjan's a fucking beast. He, yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, but he'll say, he'll say, like, I'm just, I'm just a songwriter. And I'll yeah. say I'm not a songwriter. Right. And when the rubber meets the road, when we have to write a hook for this section, there's one man who's going to write a hook that's right. gold, and <laughs> right. it's not me. Right, right. But you're going to get everything. It actually in the right might be Getty. It actually might be Getty because Getty comes up with fantastic yeah, hooks too. They're he like does, mini man. hooks. He comes up with yeah. like mini hooks. Yeah. But Sufjan will come up with these like long, like yeah. beautiful melodies that it's just like you cannot touch. Yeah. You know, and and that's because that's like that's his thing. You know, yeah. that's one of his things, and it's like one of his strengths is because he has written a million songs. And I've only written a handful of songs right. my whole life, but I've done lots of other things that he's never done. That's right. why it was actually a real fun it's a collaboration. Good, it's a good, really good, I think yeah. it's a very good threesome. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I did not mean that in any, <laughs> I just mean it's, it's a, it's a, like a sh- very strong triumvirate. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a real fun one too, where we're all learning and stuff. But so, so my focus on, on texture, my, my, basically my insistence that, that density Texture, sound, color are in an equal plane with rhythm and melody and yeah. harmony. Definitely benefits me in some way. It also means that I, uh, I will instinctively go for those, uh, focus on those before I'll focus on the things that most people hear. Here's another question, and that is that is a tricky yeah. thing because it's like people will encounter my music face from the face in. But but generally, I make my music from the from the insides out to the face, you know. Like, okay. So when people meet my music, they hear like they hear my voice, or they hear the melody, they hear the chords. When those are the things that evolved from a, a soundscape that I was that I was. They're not I, as crucial to you in some way. They're not as crucial, or at least they're not fundamental. To, they didn't begin as fundamental aspects of of the composition you know well at the core is some sound that most people may not even hear right but it's the whole springboard from like that piece. tell me this tell me this tell me this and i don't mean to interrupt but 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 tell me this have you considered uh working with somebody at, almost as a full-time thing on that that that's on that level like a sufyan 
Um, mm, yeah. You know, and you did that with with the Sisyphus <clears throat> record. But I mean, somebody yeah, that comes I know to you and mean. says, "All I'm doing, all I'm doing is writing, is writing killer, words, killer words, hooks. and melody. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then you're doing everything else. Have you thought I would, about that? I would love to produce a record for someone that is just like that has those things, but suffers or has historically suffered from. Um, whack production, whack production, right. or you know, and I feel like there's so much talent out there. Even people that people don't think as innovators, who are people who uh, who are people? I mean, that just like there, that? there's 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 so much there's even in like mega pop. There's yeah. so much incredible talent, um, and and generally, you just know that a lot of them just fall prey to a mechanism that's designed to conform um, for. Profit maximization. I mean, music of business. Course. You know, of course. And uh, you could argue that it's not inherently a crime. Uh, the result is often criminal. <laughs> so I would love to work with someone that just like knows how to. I mean, I mean, speaking of our girl from we were talking about earlier, Lord, she's yeah. a perfect example. Yeah. Now I, I like a lot of the production stuff on Pure Heroin. Like, so yeah. I'm not going to knock that because I actually think there's some genuinely cool stuff happening. Um, I just like imagine if that shit was revolutionary, right? You know, right? That would just she, be. she's a very good melodist and she's a yeah, very dude. good uh, lyricist and yeah. very good singer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got those tracks in um, on Easy, the version we did together, and it's just like right out of the gate. Yeah, it sounded so you good. Do much to it. I didn't yeah. have. I literally had to do like she wanted me to put some verb on it in some yeah. spots, you know. And yeah. it was like other than that, she, the, all the cool like low like low octave doubling that's on her voice, her idea, mm-hmm. cool like s- vocal. That's not that, you singing with her at all. I start I, in the back half. I start singing yeah, yeah, with yeah. her. I start, but I but I definitely just take the back seat because yeah. it's like why would you right mess right with that? don't you know yeah. <laughs> don't don't yeah. mess with a good thing yeah. Um, um, which was, it was easy to do because, <laughs> well, I'll just let that one sit. <laughs> no, but so, I mean, the, just getting those tracks in, you just realize like, wow, this girl isn't like, nobody's holding her hand. Right. Like she, she's got her own she's thing. She's got right? her own thing and yeah. she's like genuine talent, you know, mm-hmm. someone like that would be fantastic. I mean, if we, we could pull off some, maybe not a full album. Cause I feel like. Who knows? I mean, who knows the kind of pressure that that chick's under? And I don't, oh, I don't God. envy yeah. it at all. But um, you don't, yeah. And I hope, I genuinely hope it. And she's a friend now, so I, you know, especially now, like, I genuinely hope that she doesn't kill her because yeah, I can't say that it wouldn't kill me. Man, you know? I, I honestly, and I met her for the first time last night. She's like, she seemed like she was like kind of sick, or seemed like she was getting over mm-hmm. uh, a cold, and yeah. and kind of like. Uh, you know, I know she's like stressed out, but like it seemed to me like she like she's gonna get through it fine. Yeah, yeah. She's like she so. she seems like pretty even keeled about yeah, it all. Yeah. To me, it seemed yeah. like that. Meeting her five minutes, but yeah. you know, yeah, you like you get a vibe from somebody. Yeah, and she yeah, didn't seem sure. she seemed pretty level headed. Yeah, <laughs> which is insane in yeah, that in it that is insane. fucking position. Um. Yeah, it's, it's it's insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not only that position, but that age. I mean, yeah. profoundly exactly. stupid yeah. I was. In yeah. Oh, I would, I'd old. have been profoundly on, I'd have been, stupid. I'd have probably killed myself already. I know. Might have been, or on heroin. It's one of the two, you know, like, something. Yeah. Or, so. Yeah. How did you meet her? How did, she, she, she tweeted about the, 
the track Easy, actually, okay. from, from Lanterns. And um, I had noticed that she had just followed me on Twitter. Yeah. And at the time, she kind of just joined Twitter, so she only followed, like, a certain number of people. Right. Um, but did it freak you out? Well, if did we, you know who she was at all? Of course, because I actually love pure heroin. I okay. like. I was. You, I was. Pure that's, heroin was already happening. Was it was it? totally okay. happening in okay. my life. It was like definitely happening in my yeah. life. In fact, I had tweeted like maybe, maybe like a week earlier that, um, like this might be the first time that the person on the top, like that, I actually really like the music yeah. from the. Per- person who's on the top of the billboard charts right right like that really never happens to me that's like, never happened to me before yeah either. and i'm like yeah. this sh- this shit is amazing and i kind of made a joke like saying like uh, um uh, she might want to consider a new producer next time you know <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> something like that you know the like, guy's good do you know who the no guy no is? I, I, I think no, he's more just as a like sure, of course, <laughs> like, of course, a, course, like of course. dream you know for me <laughs> Um, I haven't met him though. I'm, I, maybe I'll meet him tonight. Is, is he one of the musicians that plays? With I don't her? know actually. Because I wondered that. Like she, she has a drummer and a keyboard player that yeah. plays with her. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Is one of them the the guy? I think I for Might some reason he he stays so hidden. That's like, good. No He's one smart. Really He's knows smart. about him. Why you say that? Oh, dude. I mean. I mean, I, I'd want to be a bit anonymous, but but you want people to know a little bit. So yeah, you but get different you know jobs, what you want to do right? is you want to you want to wait. You want to wait a year for all that stuff to die down. Oh yeah, and then for the people who are in, you have it on your resume. You then you're in control of mm-hmm. who you collaborate with. It's like you're not you're not bombarded bombarded yeah, by all right. kinds of stupid stuff. From you're right, all sorts of stupid people and smart people. It's like yeah. all coming at you at once. Yeah, people wanted to do interviews, messing up your whole like That's world. True. Yeah, and meanwhile, all you did is just you like you love to make this music, and mm-hmm. you're you know it's like. I respect that anonymity thing. I mean, that's one thing that Sufjan does really well, too. I mean, doesn't do any social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has the leisure to do that. I mean, he's a total anomaly. Mm -hmm. Still selling that damn record. Still living off of Illinois. And, you know, still selling that damn record. And, like, um, even out of, like, the weird vinyl shops. Yeah. That shit's, like, in the front, in the, you know, front window. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to him for that. But, you know... You know, but I also think even though he he has the leisure to be like not doing social media other than his Tumblr recently, which is hysterical. He has a Tumblr now? Yeah. Okay. Dude, oh dude, it's hysterical. I gotta see it. He's he's lighting up a lot lately and he's he's starting to he's starting to feel a little more like he's basically starting to be like loosen up about yeah, it. Yeah, just like fuck it. Yeah. You know? Um uh but you know, he you know, he has like little rules about like no photos that kind of stuff right he doesn't you know and he re- i respect that that he's it's, he, it's it's kind of an old world it's view very of he's stuff, very you know, like, old school which is cool i, I respect very, it a lot too but it school. seems so like you know you you can only fight it so long before. i mean he can yeah. fight until he dies yeah. if he wants yeah. but like the thing with him that's a rub is that like the more he fights it the more the more people the, want it the, the the cult of personality grows yeah. Yeah. you know I mean, frankly, if that dude was on Facebook and was on Twitter, way less people would right. like freak out, you know. Right. But it's just when he pops his head out, then it's like, Bleh! Right. you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, you know, that messes with your head. So, how did you meet Sufjan? Um, I actually met him. We have tons of mutual friends. Um, I, I like classical people. Play, yeah, I like play with a lot of people that he's that he that have played on his records mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, 
David Stith is a guy who makes amazing music as DM Stith, and he uh, he was in his band for well, he's been in his band for a long time, and um, he's someone that I've had on my sing, singing on my records. And I see. Um, but actually, I think it was my my manager uh, was helped. Basically, he started Asthmatic Kitty Records with Sufjan, um, or at least Who, he was Michael Michael Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is he still managing you? Michael Kaufman actually was. SSS was his brainchild. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which became Sisyphus. Um, he is still managing me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it start. Well, it started as as you cleaning up some shit that that Sufjan. Had- well, that's right. Yeah, but then it was like, it was like, yeah. So Sufjan had made these tracks for Getty that were just like so off the wall they were never going to fit on right. a record by right. any, that involved any other producers. Right. And so they called me in to like try to maybe not rescue isn't the right word, but they wanted at least one track on the record from right. Sufjan. Um, understandably, so they picked on, on my record, right? What? No, I was wasn't was it going to go on that on Family and Friends? Yeah, that's initially where it was going to be. Gonna yeah, go on Family and Friends. Yeah, that's right. And then they sent it through me, and then it was like, okay. Um, it sounded like a different thing. It was like, oh, this is cool. It was well. <laughs> what happened was it was like, okay, you totally changed this. Yeah, but now it's. It still doesn't fit, and it doesn't fit in a totally different way right. than it originally didn't fit. But right. it still doesn't fit. Right. So then it was like, okay, let's just sit, send these other three tracks to them, and then um, see what happens. And then in the process of that, uh, met Sufjan and worked with them in my studio a little bit. Got it. Um, and then we, you know, would see each other occasionally in, you know, hipster world. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really get to know each other though until Sisyphus, and then that, and actually Dave didn't even meet Sufjan until uh, until, until that, we started working on Sisyphus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were all in the studio together um, for we do go in spurts and basically just like all day, all night, kind of fun, you know, super fun. When did you meet Dave? Met Getty um, during. Beacon Claw dirt while working on Beacon Claw. Okay, we, ta- we that's, talked. We talked about email. That's the SSS EP. Yeah, yeah. Um, we who who and and but Kaufman thought of you. Kaufman for that thought stuff? Kaufman. Well, he had already was it Sean talking he, to Kaufman or something. Because yeah, because because Kaufman was already trying to tell. He was trying to already pair Getty and Sunlux. Right, and then and I'm pretty sure he paired. I'm almost positive he paired Sufjan and um, Dave. Getty for for this other like compilation track and then right. Suvian kept making making him beats because yeah. I think they hit it off like musically even though they never even talked right, like right. it was just like a thing that you know Sufian will pick like little affinities and then just go after him right I'm gonna work with this guy <laughs> exactly yeah um, and then he does um, and yeah so then and then I think Sean from Anticon. And Michael were talking, and then we're like, well, let's just try to... Let's have Ryan bail us out. Yeah. Not to say bail bail them out, but yeah. But, um, you know, I've done done three of these with Getty, by -hmm. the way. Yeah. Interviews like this. I have about four hours of tape (laughs) that he will not let me release. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Because he he always changes his mind. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 he's too private. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. That was true of the the Sisyphus project, too. He got weird weird about stuff. He would come at something, you know, and like just lay down something just like amazing, yeah, and really like 
deep, and and then he would come back the next day and he'd be like, "No, we have to change all." He he would do that with me. I, you know, I'm 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 working on an album. Well, we wouldn't let him. For the most part, we wouldn't. let Exactly. I I punk him a lot. Like I try to because because then the next day he'll come and be like, "Actually, I like that." Like yeah. So you have to just use your. You have to be with him. You have to be like a stern producer. You have to be like actually like. I have a good ear, for, you know. I, yeah. I have a very good ear for yeah. lyrics and yeah. for vocals, and yeah. I, you know, and I can decide. I can say like, Dave, actually, this, like, yeah. listen to that again. Yeah. Usually, if you actually like force him to sit and listen to it again, he'll be like, think yeah. about it. He'll be like, all right, you're right. I mean, for him, that's like his own, his own like lack of uh, realizing what a badass he is. Right, you he's know, like self conscious. He yeah, he brings yeah. that into it, and then he he can't hear it right. Right, and I mean that's how we all are to yeah. some degree yeah. for sure, except for like maybe like the the rare like cocky son of a bitch like me who have the, I have the opposite problem. Um, well, you don't know when your shit is not good. Yeah, I mean it's like I can't hear it because I'm too like I'm just like too arrogant. You know, you think so? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm real honest. Like uh, like if something's whack and like someone confronts me about it or someone's like you know I'll be like oh. Yeah, absolutely. Like I trust you. So Atlanta didn't beat it all out of you. <laughs> that was high school. Though, so that was lame. But that's you know p- partially. But I generally, think, I I've I approach things with like like too much confidence. This is dope, right? Yeah, like oh my god, never you've never heard anything like this. Right, right. You know, so when that's people, good in a way for I think for a, way, a producer like you know for it, somebody you gotta have yin and yang. Yeah, you know, and. I definitely am very enthusiastic about music, and I feel like people generally probably like to work with me just because I get so jazzed. Yeah. And then when they, like, do something, and they, they don't really, they're just like, yeah, I just, you recorded that thing, I hope you like it. And then I'm like, ah! And I freak <laughs> yeah. out, and I'm like, because I can hear what I'm going to do with it, yeah. and it's just like, I know its potential and all that yeah. stuff. I think people like working with me because of that, because, like, they know, like, because I do really get, get really enthusiastic, and I'll I'll put my own, like, cockiness I'll, I'll put that on them too like I'll, I'll you know as soon as they're part of my thing then I get really cocky about what they do right and, stuff. Right. and generally I think <laughs> right, you like to talk you talk up your friends but yeah, that's a good yeah. trait man that's a good I mean trait. I, I think I think so and ultimately if I don't if I ultimately I spend long enough time with the music before I release it that um, I can 100% get behind every single thing that I put out you, yeah you you work, you work your ass off yeah. on your shit man yeah you, I mean that's the thing is like I'm never I'm never turning things quickly so, so in a way you 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 like everything you do, but in a way you also have that critical edit, editorial ear. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Because if, if you're time, if so you're like, working on, if you're if you're you know sculpting yeah. sound, you know you have to have that. It comes with yeah, and, and like if I allow myself enough time, then it, in time, the you know that's where the honesty comes into play. Right. You know, because you're always going to be inebriated by your latest idea. Right. And you're always going to think it's the greatest. Right. But if six months down the road, if you still have not heard of anyone applying that technique or approaching that, uh, approaching a fragment of that of music that particular way or doing that sort of studio trick or blah, 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 or pairing that instrument and that instrument, and you, and you still think it sounds great, and then, hell, like, that's where the gold that's where the gold is. How do you feel about your your finished recordings, like your your albums? Um, like, can you uh, go back and, and listen uh, to? Yeah, to I, I more can. And- I mean, I never do, but every once in a while, like I'll for some reason I'll need to like reference, like go back and listen. Listen, I'll be like, man, you know, there's some sweet things happening, mm-hmm. you know, and it's stuff that people who write reviews for Pitchfork or whatever like are completely oblivious to, yeah. you know. Um, things that I mean, I definitely did things on Outwar with Walls and Mazes. Like I've still heard never. I still like I don't know anyone who's ever done. Like what you know, 
Um, uh, well, one of the things I did, like on the song Stand, I think it's like late in the record, so like nobody ever listens to the whole record, right? But um, one of the things I did is I, I, uh, I took a, a recording of an old drum solo, um, and then I found the, the dynamic, the, the, uh, the points of highest dynamism, in 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 that in this one fragment of audio, and then I built um, like the loudest and the quietest. You mean? Yeah, like the rim shots or whatever, the loudest and quietest. Yeah, and then I placed, and then I found um, an overall tempo for that fragment um, based on f- five four, like in five four. Was well, it played in five four, or you turned it? No, in it's totally free. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but if let's say five, four is a given. That's another thing is I do. I impose certain limitations on my music all the time so that I have to come up with like little solutions. And then the result is usually not, is not predictable. Right. And it also keeps it really fresh and fun for me. So if five, four is a given and this fragment of audio is a given, what is the tempo that this takes up? And then if the dynamic points of that solo are a given, um, uh, and I can't change them where, in the measure, will those dynamic points fall? Those uh, the, the loudest points fall, and I'm going to create a chord progression where there's a chord that changes on each dynamic point. That and the and the chord the, the chord changes the chord, in dynamics with the chord. With the no, drums. the chords just change at those moments, as if the drums were playing with the chords, but really the chords right. are playing the drums. Like like the drums were playing hits essentially with yeah. the chords, or vice versa. And it has to be a chord progression that uh, that accommodates a preceding chant that can't change and the preceding chant happened over a chord progression that was chromatic. So, so everything needs to shift. So the chords have to continue as they were, you mean? The chords have to change. The chant that was going over the initial chords has to stay the same. Does it have to fit over the chords not dissonantly? Yeah. Okay. So there's all these like things that are happening and on top of that, there's a reversed and manipulated opera sample um, and then like um, a bunch of uh, like synth parts that I that I learned how to play backwards, so that when I reverse the audio, they, they were playing forwards. They, they were right, playing forwards, right. you know, like, spinning like, plates. like a kind of like musical moment that like you know people don't make music that way, you right. know. Um, and in that song too, I do like a really interesting um, modulation of meter where I I cheat a bar of one beat of one beat, and then I I superimpose a, a in a different tempo over the the measure that follows but it starts too early it starts in the middle of the measure before okay. but then because it's too slow it actually it winds up, up. Li- lining up okay. you know okay. things like that where you're doing just, all this on you tempo mapping and everything uh, like that just like literally like f- yeah like tempo mapping and like finding finding little fragments of audio that like fit in places and that you that just have unpredictable do you, results. Do you, do you miss those limitations that you had at, oh, I on still, at war? Um, I've been pretty careful about like keeping, like be, being really disciplined about keeping lots of limitation as part of my process. But it's you just don't have different to scratch it together in that same way. But uh, I I make myself do do it. I still like you know, like I'll. You won't be satisfied with the sound of something that's yeah, just like... Yeah, because if it comes out of just like your deductions, mm-hmm. like if, you, if you're if you just like following a natural logical path, 
your music's going to come across, it's going to come out too logical because everyone thinks pretty much the same way. Mm-hmm. But if you shock... You think so? Yeah. Okay. I do. Because yeah. they've been taught because, music or whatever? Because you've lived on this planet for 34, 35 years, right. so have I. We've generally heard the same... We've, we grew up in the same country. We've generally right. had, like, listened to the same music. Blah, blah, blah. Like, we've shopped at the same stores where like they're playing Bon Jovi on the thing. Right. Like, we... You know, if you're gonna do a percentage, like the percentage of difference between I'll, I'll us, fo- is I don't necessarily agree, but I will follow you on along that I mean, path. Definitely. Okay, here's another thing. Yeah, the way that we make music, we make music um, with a digital audio workstation. Right, and we right? come from Western music. I mean, and we come you know, from Western music. Yeah, There's sure, twelve sure. notes that we choose yeah. from yeah. per octave. You know, sure. and but where were you going with that? I didn't mean to. So, so general. So, so speaking of bombard, yeah. the idea is. To throw yourself off that path, to bombard your process, to shock the system of your of your thinking mm-hmm. with something outside of your control, right? Because it's how you cope with those uh, those problems, quote unquote. That's what's gonna. That's gonna. That's what's that. From that is where your distinctness will emerge. Those surprise you know? elements. Surprise elements. Yeah. yeah. Throw, throw throw a what do they call it in? And uh, surprising yourself with with those things because of limitations that you self impose introduces surprise itself into the process and, in, I would argue, into the result. Right. And Therefore surprise making it way more and music. Yeah, way more interesting. Yeah. And surprise in music is some something that a lot of people can't cope with. Yeah. But um, for those who can cope with it, um, I think it's fantastic. For me, surprise is something in music that is like one of my favorite things about music and you and people just don't do it. Well, I, I, and, and you know why they don't do it? It's because it's fucking hard. I, it's I, really hard to make I, music I think, that surprises you. I think... I, I don't think that's true. I think it's hard to make music that sounds good okay. and surprise you because you can Absolutely. be completely, Absolutely. you can be Ornette Coleman or, or beyond, beyond yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's a lot of surprises going on. But like, I yeah. think there's a, there's a, there's a tasteful way to healthily integrate surprise. Absolutely. And you do that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, but what I mean specifically is to, to develop, um, is and I'm not to, hating is, on that is, shit, is, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Um, uh, the way to do it for me, and this is like one of the hardest things to do in music, I think, is to to develop a sense of anticipation in the listener. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not fulfill the antip- anticipated result. Sounds like my sex life. Go on. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> not fulfill it. Yeah. Introducing surprise, but not fulfill it in a way that's that still sends the pheromones and the all the, like the good vibes flooding through your brain. Right. That is really tricky. Which is sexual because, actually. Because, you're yeah. you're always waiting for it. Yeah. Like well the, and the in constant buildup. But but yeah, and, and inherently not uh like it's like working against yourself, but if you can do it in a way that's successful, it's like better than what it would have been right. if you had like yeah. one of my proudest moments is like on lanterns is yeah. when those baritone saxes yeah. come in. It's yeah. like you did not expect that. Right. You didn't expect those instruments. You didn't ex- expect that Afro-Cuban rhythm. Right. Um, nothing about what just happened. You, but once you've heard it, then it's like it's it makes suddenly total your favorite. Sense. It's yeah. After it's, you, it's, you hear it's it three like times, and you're like, okay, I this, yeah. How could it be any other way? And then you think you think of that song through that lens. It's right. like you it's you you're it's literally like reshaped your mind. Right. And those things in music. That's innovation. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think so. Yeah. I think so. Not sure. I'm not sure uh certain publications agree. <laughs> oh, did you get dissed? 
Oh, yeah, Pitchfork. <sighs> Fuck I, yeah. that! Are you yeah. serious? And it's funny, too. I haven't read the review because I feel like it'll dignify it. I'm done. Read. I don't read Pitchfork at all anymore. Yeah. I, just, I won't yeah. click on their page ever yeah. again. Um, I, yeah, I mean, people, I mean, and people do tell me that, like, you know, who've read it are like, wow, it's just really whack. Like, the, the writer, I mean, it, it kind of feels like, like, you kind of feel bad for him because, like, yeah. the way he obviously thinks about music is is a little bit sad, mm-hmm. you know? And I think generally, Pitchfork... It, it know, wasn't the same guy that, that destroyed our record, was it? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I, again, don't, I, don't, fall, I don't read yeah, that. Yeah. I, don't, I honestly don't read that stuff. Sure, like, sure, I good, don't. good. Um, it wasn't the guy who wrote... It wasn't Jason Green who wrote um, a really insightful review of this track, Lost It to Trying. Okay. And he wrote it in such a way where he, you could you clearly... Um, underst- he clearly understood like what I was doing. That's the thing. Sometimes so there's sometimes there's a person that yeah. writes for them yeah. that that is like that that you're like, damn, they really get it. And then like yeah. a lot of times they'll, yeah. they'll have writers that you're just like, what the fuck? You missed yeah. the whole point yeah. of this thing. And not only did you miss it, but then you tell the world what right. the point is, right. and you're wrong. And you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the worst. Well, but see, they they also they refuse to review We Are Rising. Really? Yeah. So why? That's insane. You know, why? Because that got so much press that was so, that was like so celebrated. Well, and, you know, I think to to make that record in 28 days and to do it the way I did it and to do it in the public eye and also to do it, um, you know, with the level of in- innovation that I did, um, whether you like it or not, I think... It's notable you know, to write It's about. notable. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, how many people did that? Right, You know, right. like, and how many people have done something like that? Right. Um, and then, like, you know, got behind it, and yeah, I don't, I don't want to diss them, but they're they're definitely a, a, a weird organization. I yeah, don't, I don't super, know what they're doing. Exactly. It's super weird. I mean, it, it is a business, so you know yeah. they need to generate clicks sure, so that they can sure. sell advertising. Sure, and they know what they're doing. They bottom know, line is, they know what they're. doing. They obviously know what they're doing yeah. from a business perspective. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Sometimes they make music their bitch in order to do it. Right. I'm not super happy about that, but uh, I mean, any business across the line is going to do the same thing. Yeah. or something. Yeah. It's just unfortunate right. that you know. Music takes the, and musicians take mm-hmm. take the uh, the brunt of the the damage, but also you could argue the brunt of the, you know, the the praise, the, the praise, yeah, yeah, yeah so, both both ways, yeah. All right, well, I mean, we we got a lot of information here. There is a good amount. Do you of feel? Do you, anything else you want to talk about? Um, I could just say one of the, my favorite studio tricks that I've ever heard of. Yeah, that I never Please. I never did, but Please. I always thought it was a pretty badass idea. It's Portishead. They took. Um, they took a full mix of one of their tracks. They put it under the soundboard of a piano, like the speaker uh, facing up into the piano, like yeah. up up against the soundboard underneath the piano. Uh-huh. Then they mic'd the piano with the pedal down. Yeah. And then got the sympathetic reverberation of the strings of the piano <sighs> and then laid it into the mix. For just a for just a bar or for the whole no, mix? No, I don't know. But but they used I that. I imagine they, they cut away to that. Maybe yeah. not, though. Maybe not. Know. That's badass. It's a cool idea, right? Yeah, and that and that's, that's a way actually to re- reamp. <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly through through the soundboard yeah. and reverber, uh, sympathetic vibration of the string, piano strings, and uh, that idea inspired a lot of the things that I do. That some tricks that I can't give away. <laughs> I want to. Can we do something together this week? <laughs> you're, get, you're getting me all hyped up, man. I got a lot we of lyrics should, going we on. We should, man. We should make a beat. Let's do it. We're we'll, to the 18th. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll talk. Yeah, I've been sitting here. Uh, we're gonna close up shop with okay. Ryan Lott uh, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York, RJ's apartment. 
signing off. Yes. Thank you. Look, I am just about to go out on tour with Y. I've got some announcements to make, and I don't know why I'm doing it after, but fuck it. I've got some, I'm going on tour with Y this coming week, or this week, like right now, really. Come see us in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Indianapolis, Omaha, Kansas City, Springboro, something, a bunch of Missouri shit. Come see us. And uh, say hi. I will have Wandering Wolf t-shirts on this tour, okay? And I will have them after the tour uh, to sell to you somehow online. I haven't quite figured how, how I'm going to do it yet. But they're, they're, being ma- they're being manufactured right now as we speak. Not only that, but I am going, if you haven't heard yet, on uh, a string of solo dates out west. Phoenix, Tucson, San Diego, Pomona, L.A., San Francisco, Santa Cruz. I'm coming to your towns. So come see me and, 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 and buy a Wandering Wolf shirt or a Wandering Wolf tote bag. Come see me at those shows. Hang out. I'll be, I'll be very pedestrian at those shows. Normally at the Y shows, I hide uh, behind. There's a, like a veil that's p- part of our rider. Uh, we need one long ceiling length veil to hang and to be the width of one yoni and uh, i hide behind that and within that for the duration of the concert until it's my turn to get on stage and then i go back behind the veil now sometimes we ask for a mobile veil so that i can creep around the audience uh, and and around the venue uh, unnoticed but this on the yoni wolf tour i will be out and about with the citizens, with the rabble, and uh, we can chat it up a little bit. Now, you can't talk to me that much because I have to keep my vocals. My, my, and that the easiest way to lose your voice is to scream in a club, and then you sound like a fucking 16-year-old, uh, the, one, the friend of the hot girl that has been on a roller coaster, literally on a roller coaster, and her life has been kind of a roller coaster ride as well. Let's be real. All right, the Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can offer me some, some monies on, uh, on that via PayPal. At Yoni Wolf on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Facial Frenzy, doggysex.pitiful.uk. Come find me on all those places. All right, y'all, it's a beautiful, beautiful day here in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm about to hit the road, little road trip. Down to KY. I want you guys to keep it easy and keep wandering. Maybe that's an outro, actually. It sounds more like an outro. I'm like, oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> or something like that.
Hold out your heart to me Be alone 